Welcome to the Family Movie Night Podcast, everybody. This is episode 11. Uh, we are glad to have you guys joining in. As always, uh, I have uh, my wonderful co-host joining in with us. Uh, let's just start from the top with uh, the greatest dad to ever take his kids on a road trip that turned into a robot apocalypse, Mr. Donnie Dorsey himself. Donnie, how are you doing today? I'm not crying. You're crying. I know, I know. This is a tough movie. Hey, you know, in honor of Mitchell's versus the Machines, which is the movie we are discussing today, Donnie, I want to know uh, what uh, let's what device in your home are you most terrified will become sentient and try and destroy the entire human race? Oh, clearly the microwave. Absolutely, oh, the microwave. That would and be here's tough. Why. Let me explain why. So the microwave not only has a door that can slam on your head, it also can heat up at the same time. So, like, it can warm your brain while, like, popping you in the head. And I'm like, I got no time for that. So, you know, every so often I just stop and clear it, clear out the time. I don't want it to have any options. I like that. I like that. I think you're preparing yourself well for the impending robot apocalypse. Uh, next up, we have joining us finally as a full-time uh, host, Miss Heidi Cooper, who, let's just be honest, is the dad in this film who doesn't understand any technology. Just before we started filming, uh, we we were trying to help her figure out how to pull up her script. Heidi, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Confused, this, but good. <laughs> this movie probably hit home for you in lots of different ways. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so same question to you. If you had a device in your home that turned sentient and wanted to kill you, uh, what would be the worst option? Uh, Siri, totally. Because oh. she knows how to really break me down. Emotional damage. So very good. All right, Heidi, good to have you. And of course, the villain of our podcast, uh, which is either the uh, the just horribly negligent tech company that created this device or you have to be pal herself olivia coleman wanting to be uh just very offended destroying humanity sawyer hewlett how are you doing uh i'm good i'm good i'm okay being the eric andre version of mark zuckerberg for what it's worth rather oh, yeah. than olivia coleman's ai system but i i agree anyone would just like to be the eric andre version of anything so <laughs> exactly I I'm all good for that. All right, Sawyer, same question to you. If you had a device in your home that was going to try and kill you, what would you want it not to be? Yeah, I think for me, it's a pretty easy no-brainer that the blender would be would be deadly if it ever decided to wake up. And so that yeah. thing, ugh, just I get squirmy just thinking about that thing. Absolutely, absolutely. And for me, of course, it would be my stand mixer because I use it probably more than any appliance in my home. And I would just be so personally offended and hurt that it turned on me in such a way. Uh, so I, I would be very upset at that point. But uh, if you don't know why we're talking about this, it is because... Uh, we are discussing the film The Mitchells versus The Machines, which is available on Netflix, which is about a quirky, dysfunctional family's road trip that is upended when they find themselves in the middle of the robot apocalypse and suddenly become humanity's unlikeliest last hope. Uh, but before we get into that, we got to get to the theme song. Let's roll it up. Oh, 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 
This is the Family Movie Night podcast where we want to help your family have better conversations around the content that you consume. But that's not really all we do. So, Donnie, why don't you tell everybody what we do on this podcast? Yeah. So on this podcast, we encourage every family at Community Christian Church to have a monthly movie night to help you and your children build memories, start conversations that matter. The goal of our family ministry is to help you raise your children to love Jesus and his way of life above all other things. And we know that critical to that is for you to have a routine of regular times of connection and shared experiences that help you build stronger relationships. That's you, Heidi. I had my mic off. <laughs> Go, just going straight with our just straight with our theme of Heidi not understanding technology. She yeah, was just on keep mute. that in there and it'll validate everything you said. That's very good. Well, why don't you just pick it up from there, Heidi? <laughs> and movie nights are a great opportunity to do that because movies are not only an easy way to share laughter and joy together, and even fear and sadness in a safe environment, but they also give us a chance to talk about what matters most to us in a way that's meaningful and memorable with our children. And on this podcast, we want not only to recommend some movies that you can watch on your monthly movie night, but give you some ideas of meaningful conversation that you can have with your children during and after the movie time. And we want to remind you to like this video and subscribe to our channel on YouTube and follow us on Facebook. And also, if you're a parent who calls Community Christian your home, uh, we have a lot more helpful content to you available on our parent Facebook group. All you have to do is go to our main Facebook page and click on the tab that says groups, and you'll find the community kids parent group. If you click the join group button, you'll get regular updates about events that your family around events for your family around our church, as well as articles, videos, and content that will help encourage and inspire you as a parent, as you raise your children to love Jesus. We would love to see you over there. And as always, really, the point of this podcast is not to add another thing to your list of things that you as a parent feel guilty about not doing. The goal of this is we really do want to make it easier for you and your kids to enjoy being together so you can build memories and have conversations that matter. So throughout our conversation today, remember, we want to have fun and help you think through simple and easy ways to share your love of Jesus with your kids. And uh, I really do think this movie... Um, one, not only will help you do that, but I bet this is a movie most people, one, haven't seen, two, didn't even know existed on Netflix because the way Netflix algorithm works is if you did not see it on April 30th, 2021, when it came out, uh, you didn't see it ever again. It got buried in the feed. So my guess is, I don't know, uh, had, had you guys seen this movie before, Donnie? Had you watched this one yet? No, I didn't even know it existed. Yeah. Heidi, I, I don't think you had seen it either. No, same. Yeah. Sawyer? Yeah. I had never, I knew it existed, but I, had, I didn't see it until it ended like 45 minutes ago. This is a so. fresh, these are, these are Sawyer's hot takes. So, I mean, so let's just go right to you, Sawyer. Uh, not talking about themes. We're just, we're just trying to recommend a good, fun movie for, for parents. Is this just a good, fun movie for parents? Absolutely. This, and, and what? not just for what? I loved your dramatic pause, yeah. which well, I know, which I know I could see that you were pausing for dramatic effect, but because of the way Google Meet does this, it's just going to be on my face. So I'm going <laughs> to ask you a question. It's going to be blank on me. <laughs> so I like that. Go ahead. But, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I love this movie very much. It 
it is like another one of those movies that I think is going to be great for all ages. I think even teenagers can find a lot to enjoy about this movie. Yes. Maybe my favorite aspect about this movie is the irreverent humor. It's not like inappropriate or anything like that, no. but it the movie knows not to take itself too seriously. Um, that doesn't mean that it's always a joke because I'm sure that we'll get into later. There's a lot of very serious moments, but the movie also knows that it is here to be a movie for kids. And so in doing so, it is extremely funny. It is one of the funniest animated movies I've seen in a long, long time. And, well, uh, and, and to your point, Sawyer, about it not being inappropriate, but being good for all ages, this is done, uh, it is produced, uh, It is. let me say this, it is directed by Michael Rianda, who worked for uh, on Gravity Falls, which is a great Disney XD show. It's like preteen kind of age show that my kids love. Uh, but And also Jeff Rowe uh, co-directed this, but it is produced uh, primarily, probably the name most people would maybe know phil lord and chris miller uh who are the production team behind spider-man into the spider-verse which is another pg movie that is that teenagers love just as much as young kids yeah as well as the lego movies they also yep. do and i also love those like literally lord and miller everything they touch is gold to me well let's so. be honest the first thing they ever did was the cloudy with a chance of meatballs uh, movie, which is absolutely hilarious. The first time I saw it, I was, I think my wife and I had just gotten married. And one of the opening jokes is he's an inventor and he came up with spray on shoes. Um, but the shoes can't ever come off your feet. And the joke they wrote in the movie was he goes, cause he's a little kid, everyone bullies him. And he's like, and I tried to run away, but you can't run away from your own feet. And from that point, I decided this is the greatest team that has ever made anything. So uh, this movie is really, really fun, like Sawyer said. The thing I think that's best about this movie, if you're just talking about the funny, fun aspects of it, um, is 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 the um, way that in it accepts internet meme culture as a thing that most movies currently don't do. Uh, there's a there's a, a recurring joke that begins at the beginning where uh, they pull up this meme. She says the way her dad screams is like this uh, this screaming monkey meme, and they they overlace them on top of each other. And, and, and not just that, but like the way that you have these kind of explosive, dynamic animation meme type things that kind of go over, they overlay on top of the animation. Um, it's, it's remarkable to me how kinetic it is. Like, it's very exciting. It's very energetic. Uh, I just think this, my kids and I watched it, I think on the day it became available on Netflix. And, uh, I didn't remember a lot of it until I watched it. I remembered I enjoyed it, but when I watched it this time, I just, I loved it. I, it, it just is one of my favorite movies of this year. Um, so Donnie, what about you? This, oh, go ahead, Heidi. Go ahead. Oh, I think one thing too is that with all of that, because my kids are six and two, almost three, and we watched it together and they wanted to watch it again a couple of days later. They want to watch it again since then, but and they kept on talking about all the funny parts, but it, they would normally be scared about some of the things, you know, three years old, some of the robots and things like that. But that overlay that you were talking about of like the the cartoon, you know, possums and the cartoon, you know, dog pigs and stuff that just kept it really light and really funny the whole time. So I think that was really cool too. Well, and I think for, for young kids, like my kids also same way, I have a five, six, seven and 10 year old now, and they are 
it, it really, and I'll say this, all th three, if not four of my kids have ADHD. And so it really fits like the way their brains work. It's like there's something changing every second and it really just captures their attention. Um, and it's a lot of fun. Now, this movie also hits you. So if parents kind of think this sounds annoying, uh, I'll say this. I know this movie hits Heidi in other ways, too, very emotionally, because not only do you have a six and an almost three year old, but you have a 18, 19 year old. Yeah, almost 19. Almost 19, who is who is now out of the home and, and that, all of that. So I'm sure this movie was emotional for you as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was thinking back about our we just took a little trip to Myrtle Beach for Christmas and it kind of felt like it, we were in a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> I've never been to Myrtle Beach before, but uh, I, I'm sorry to people who like it, but it was definitely that feel for me. And so I was, uh, <laughs> I was enjoying our our little comparisons between that and Myrtle Beach. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think this movie is really relatable. That's one thing I love about the animation is not just kind of the wackiness of it, but the animation style itself. Very very much like Lego movie or um, uh, into the spider verse. It's a very unique, it doesn't look like the Pixar movies. Everyone's trying to look like the Pixar movies. This thing, it looks like it is trying to go as far from it. There are elements of it that the, the animation looked insanely realistic. Like I thought I was looking at a person's face, but then it would transform to like the screaming monkey and you're like, okay, that's not it. So uh, I, I just think it's a movie that feels real while at the same time feeling completely surreal. And I think that blending really works. Uh, Donnie, how did this movie work for you? Um, I loved it. I, I thought every aspect of it, like it takes you on a journey. Like I like movies that don't just leave you at one spot. They constantly make you think about what's happening and like slowly progresses the storyline. And it does a really good job of that. The animation is so much fun to watch. Like every aspect of it just like keeps you engaged. Kind of like what you're saying is like, it changes constantly, but it changes to keep your attention, but also changes enough to let you know something else is happening. And so well, it like, yeah. yeah, so it keeps you totally engaged. I loved it. Well, and I think what you're talking about there, Donnie, and this will be kind of uh, our, our segue, but I think it kind of gets to the thematics of what the movie's about, which is, and I felt this in the movie, the movie kind of uses technology in an interesting way, which we don't have time on this podcast to get into. But one of the things in the animation style does this is it's kind of this blending of, I've never seen animation that works this kinetic and so much feels like it's of this moment, but the 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 themes of the movie are so timeless in that it's just about a family learning how to grow and change and accept each other as we grow and change and communicate about the things that grow and change. And, you know, I think all of these different kind of things, um, that the, the animation fits that for me because uh, this is part of the, the plot of the movie, but she's a filmmaker. The reason they're, they're on this road trip is she just got into film school across the country. She's trying to go, and her films are these quirky, insane frenetic like it's just it's just nuts and the dad doesn't get it and so let's get into the part where we talk about we've just talked about we all agree this is a movie that'll just build good memories with your kids and one of the things it does is as Heidi said like I now get to have these kind of inside jokes with my kids like they reference something I get it um and I'll just say as as a parent uh, who was also a youth minister and knows that as my kids get older your ability to understand what jokes they're making you lose it pretty quick. That's pretty great for you as a family to be able to, to hey, we all kind of share this thing together. But this is a movie that also has some great conversations that matter too. And so let's get into really kind of the big theme of this movie, which is it, it's really just a movie about um, 
uh, a family. And, you know, the way that the IMDb puts it is a quirky, dysfunctional family. And I think that's kind of the pull of the movie is, is this family dysfunctional? Are they, are they determined to be dysfunctional? Because um, every character in the movie, I should say in the family, right? You've got the dad who he's kind of got some dreams and ideas that he wants to see for his relationship with his daughter. His daughter has some dreams and ideas, which are basically, I want to get away from this family. They don't understand me. I want to get around some people who do understand me, right? You've got this, this boy, the, the younger boy, who's really, he, all he can talk about is dinosaurs, which anyone who's ever had a kid obsessed with anything can relate to, right? They, this is the only thing he can get to. And, and he just wants everyone to be happy. And then you've got this mom who is comparing her family that she kind of thinks of as dysfunctional to what she thinks of as like the pristine, perfect, functional family um, that then we get to kind of see grow and change too. So the movie's kind of about what, what does it take for a family to function healthily? Right? I mean, am I am I off on this? I know we talked a little bit about this, Sawyer. What was you you kind of brought up the way that this movie treats the parents and the kids that is very helpful. I think that's a good place for us to start. Yeah, I I think that the biggest thing that this movie gets right in terms of its like big themes and and ideas that it wants to communicate is that when it comes to a family unit, there's not heroes and villains. There's not good guys and bad guys. There's one perspective and then there's a different perspective is the thing and and the movie oh i don't want to give too much away but the movie does such a great job at driving home um with with the daughter and it, i can't believe i'm forgetting her name right now but it it does such a good job of driving home katie her it yeah it's a great job of driving home her kind of family dilemma how she wants something and her fan her in particular her dad might not want that thing okay and as as it goes along the journey of the movie you begin to understand why the dad is that way and so you you begin to actually sympathize with him and her as a thing and it's it's this really great tightrope walk that the movie walks of net it never gets cheesy if i'm being honest and and that's kind of where there's one moment in the movie where i was like oh boy this is getting real like close to being cheesy and it never did it was very you know, in a movie that embraces um, schlock and surrealism so much, it is very honest about about family relationship difficulties sometimes. Well, and I think the you know the point that you're talking about, I think this is huge, Donnie, and I think that's important. I'm Donnie, sorry, Sawyer, that I'm reading Donnie's name right above your head, um, <laughs> and um, and I'm just always thinking about Donnie, but uh, <laughs> um, the. Uh, the thing you said, I think it's huge for parents to be able to talk about is that you know, there are no villains in our family. And at times it can feel that way. It can feel like mom and dad are villains or, and moms and dads have our time in being this. Sometimes it feels like your kids are the villain and that it's mom and dad against the kids. And that that's not really what we do as a family. And the movie obviously really does that because the beginning of the movie is mom, uh, Dad doesn't want daughter to leave. Daughter can't get wait to get away. They go on this trip. And her whole thought is the worst thing that could ever happen to my life is that I have to go on this road trip with my dad and spend more time with my dad. And then literally the worst thing that could happen, a robot apocalypse happens. And it has to bring the family together. But in this, what I think is interesting, maybe we can talk a little bit about this, is that it doesn't bring the family together. It sort of does at first. 
And you think they're kind of moving that way, but it becomes clear that they don't know how to communicate to each other, right? They have these communication problems. Um, the daughter at a very key moment basically just says to her brother, she doesn't realize she's being videotaped, but says to her brother, like, I don't mean any of the stuff I'm saying to dad. I can't wait to get away from him as soon as I can. And the dad is not really listening to his daughter at one point. She has to say multiple points. You're not listening to me. There's a hilarious, there's a hilarious couple sequences where the brother and the mom are writing out specific words for the daughter to say to the dad and the dad to say back. And they're like reading these cue cards. Very funny. Um, Donnie, Heidi, either one of y'all got something to say about the kind of the way this movie a, a, a approaches communication issues in a family? So I think for me, um, uh, there were so many times when my teenager was at home where I would say something and then my husband would turn to him and say, what she's saying is, <laughs> it was almost like we were speaking two different languages most of the time. And so I, it's just perspective and differences and, you know, how we're hardwired and things like that. But yeah, I saw that a lot in there and it's like, you're listening, but you're not hearing. And I think so much of, you know, my thing that I saw a lot throughout the movie was resonated with the dad was, you know, he was afraid. He was afraid of losing his relationship with his daughter. He was afraid of of things changing for their family. You know, he made a lot of changes to be a family. And then that was kind of all like coming to an end, so to speak, because she was moving away. And so I think that kind of hit home for me with my baby that just moved out. <laughs> and uh, it helped me to see, you know, kind of like that, how we let fear control us in relationships. So I think that was kind of the thing that stuck out to me the most about their their communication and and the dynamic in their relationship that really needed a lot of work, you know? Well, and I think, uh, Heidi, I know just because we've been friends for so long and I know this is true for Donnie too, because he and I have talked about this for so long. Um, there's a great resource for parents called, um, well, there's really two One's called, I heard, I think it's, I heard this, you said that, or it's the opposite. I heard that you said this one of those. Um, but there's also, and Donnie, I don't think I've actually told you this yet, but I showed it to Heidi. There's a version of it. It's called like a parent's guide to their kids wiring. And it's like a parental version of this temperaments thing where there's these four, everyone's one of these four colors, red, yellow, blue, green, and every person hears things in one way and they say things in one way. And if, if you're a red and I'm a green and we're communicating and you're trying to say, I love you, <laughs> uh, but you're saying it in a way that sounds like I'm frustrated with you. It doesn't matter that you were saying, I love you the way you said it. What I heard was it? And I think for parents, that ends up being a thing. And Donnie, I know um, the first time I introduced it to you, like one week later, I came back and Donnie's like, I've watched all the videos. Donnie <laughs> had like all this information I did not have about it. Uh, so Donnie, I, I know that's a big thing for you and been helpful for you and your family. Yeah, I mean, because the biggest part about that I've learned as a parent and like things that I don't think my parents like fully understood was the fact that most of our communication is done in the way that we best understand it and how mm -hmm. we want to hear it and not from the perspective of the person that's talking to us or that we're trying to communicate to. Like you may say, Hey, I gave you hugs and I spent time with you. Why, why is that not enough? And they're like, I don't care about that. I care about you reminding me that you're happy and you're proud of me and all these things, these words of affirmation. And it's so critical to like understanding the different perspectives. And I learned that with my kids and 
I find myself like even during times of correction, like when I'm correcting something they do, normally I might respond like I'm mad. But also I start now I'm starting to look and going, okay, what was happening in that moment? How are they, how are they understanding that? I think you see that a lot in like Katie's like connection with her dad is when you're, when they're having conversations, because you can tell the difference because each of them has a different level of connection. Like her and her brother, Aaron, like they literally have the super connection. They understand each other. They can use different lingo, different talk, different speak. And like they get each other. The mom is trying her best and she, she gets it. But she has moments where she's kind of like lost, but she's like, you know what? I'll figure it out. Whereas the dad is like, um, is this screen on? Like, is this is this on? Like, are you talking, honey? Like, it, that's what it feels like when they're talking to each other. And so yeah. it never makes that full connection. So I think that's that's a huge aspect of it that they show in this movie. Well, and I think the conversation you 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 as the parent get to have here is we may misunderstand each other, but I hope the conversation never stops. And that's the way I try to say it to my kids is like, I may understand, but there does come a point where when we're both, uh, and you can't really say this, I, oh, I should say, you can say it to your kids, but it's not helpful to tell your kid like you're arrogant and you're prideful. I know I'm arrogant. And so there are times that I just go, this is too frustrating. I want to be done. But just kind of say to my kid out of this movie, I hope we never get to a point that if I'm saying something that hurts you, will you always tell me? It won't hurt me if you tell me that I'm hurting you with something. I'm. You know what I mean? Like being yeah. able to keep that conversation open. Donnie, what were you going to say? I mean, absolutely. Because like, I think it's that level of transparency that I don't, like I had it with my with my parents, but I'm definitely trying to have more of that with my kids. Yeah, because like whether it's, hey, I messed up or, hey, I didn't say that right or that came out wrong. And I like and not like because sometimes people are like they try to rationalize the way they said like, well, you made me mad. It's like, no, you didn't. What you did. Triggered something in me and I responded the way that I know how to respond as opposed to your action didn't make me do anything. What it well, did was it triggered something deep in me that obviously I didn't realize. Well, and I remember hearing one person say, um, I think it was Andy Stanley, but I don't want to necessarily, uh, anyway, it was a person, uh, it was a pastor who said, um, we often get hung up on, well, that's not, I didn't mean to hurt you, but the truth is the damage is done, drop in another emotional damage here. Uh, the emotional damage is done, whether I meant it or not. Like if I back into your car on accident, it's not okay for me to come up to you and go, well, I didn't mean to, so I'm not going to pay for that. Yeah. Because the damage is done whether I did it on purpose or not. So if I'm hurting you with something I'm saying or doing, I have to take that into it. And let me just say this. As the parent, your kids are going to say things that hurt you. Mm -hmm. That is the nature of it. You as the parent are the one who has the responsibility to go first in the apology. You don't wait till they apologize to you. Their brain is still developing. They are going to say things that are going to hurt you. My kids say things that hurt me all the time, and I cry about it on my own. <laughs> but they're going, to, they're going to say things, and, and we as Christ-like parents have to, have to take a yeah. step forward. It's The interesting thing you said about what is it's a, literally a thing I'm working on specifically with my daughter right now. Um, Cause she says like, she was like, well, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean to. I'm like, it's not about that. You didn't mean to, when you say I didn't mean to, you're dismissing your responsibility in the situation. Right. You're saying I had nothing to do with it. Yeah. But when you say, I'm sorry, you're saying, look, 
I'm owning my responsibility in this situation. And I'm sorry that my responsibility and it caused this problem because that's the response. Like, I mean, I understand it. it's like, well, I didn't mean to because it's the idea of like, I want to get as far away from getting in trouble. So if I say I didn't mean to, that dismisses me of all guilt. It's like, I'm, I'm off the hook. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Heidi, you were trying to say something. What, what, what do you, th- what you think? Yeah. So uh, on, on to piggyback on what you said, Nathan, I think that the thing that I had to realize is like, I, I used to think that everything that my son did was either to piss me off or to like, uh, you know, like backhanded, like, you know, I'm, I'm ignoring you or I'm not, you know, and the thing that I had to realize is like, for him, like, he doesn't think that much about me. (laughs) He doesn't think he's not going in the kitchen and putting something in the trash and seeing that it's overflowing and saying, oh yes, I'm going to add one more thing because that's going to be the thing that makes her head just explode, you know? (laughs) And usually it was the thing that made my head explode. But I had to realize, like, like you said about the brain development, like I'm the person who is fully fully developed, you know, I'm the adult in this situation, even though I feel hopefully. like, hopefully, hopefully, even though I feel like I'm developing every day. <laughs> you are, you Jackson, are farther Jackson along and the I path. We're growing up together. Yes, yes, exactly. But, but yeah, I, kept, I, I, I like to relate it to a hotel. And I say like, if I wouldn't go check into a hotel that has a sign that says it's opening in May of 2023, and I wouldn't go in and like to a construction site and be like, all right, I want the penthouse suite. Where's the room service? Like, I'm not going to do that because I already know it's under construction and I can't expect that level of service when, you know, and it's kind of a rough example, but I I can't expect to have an adult conversation with a child. And sometimes, you know, our kids are so smart and they're so quick to throw back what we say. And it's like, no, they are definitely in control. <laughs> they are definitely, you know, and they are very much a, a equal party in this argument. But in all honesty, they're not, and we can't we can't look at them like that. Well, I want to I want to kind of piggyback off two things you said there. One, I kind of want to um, just give give a helpful resource. I found this uh, uh, over here. It's called it's, I think it's backwards probably on your screens, but it's Kind Words for Kids. And if you go to the website kindwordsarecool.com, that's where you can order the book A Grown-Up's Guide to Kids Wiring. It explains this whole thing. One of the things I think that's very interesting in that book and it was very helpful to me is it said most parents um think their job is to fix their children. And this movie really hits on that, that you have this kid, they have these bad behaviors, and my job is to fix these kids. But if we instead say it's my job to be a student of this kid and learn how to love them and lead them towards Jesus, then it's a different deal. And this book is really helpful. I know this probably isn't going to make sense if you don't know what the temperaments are, but if you come back, you'll see them. This has statements that each temperament uh, red, yellow, green, blue, whatever your kid are, that they need to hear in order to feel valued, loved, and accepted. So I have a yellow, a red, a green, and a blue all in my household. I'm a yellow. My wife's a green. The reds and the blues are hard for us to understand. But for my yellow kid, uh, they're very um, expressive, and they love to hear fun and words that make them feel um, attracted and attractive and desired and all that kind of stuff. Um, one thing that my kid says is people just love being around you. You're magnetic. Like to just give that to my kid, put it in their lunchbox. 
right? Send them, put, put it on their pillow. I often will, we have like little family meetings where we go around and I'll say one thing we like about each other and I'll, I'll peel these off and, I, and I'll write a little note on the back. And then, um, the reds, the reds out there who are a little more assertive and they're, they're natural born leaders and they're a little more direct. And so for my daughter, who's a red, that makes her sometimes come across very abrasive to certain people. But if you see it where you've got one here, where it says, uh, your potential is endless. Like you have so much potential, you can do so much, you know, and then greens who are a little bit more, uh, not necessarily sensitive, but they're more people oriented. They, they very much want things to be chill all the time. This one right here says you stay chill even when things, uh, are get crazy. And I think that's incredible. Um, and then, you know, the blues who also are, they seek safety and all those kind of things it says, I love seeing what you think up. You're so creative because they live so much of their life in their mind. And you just think about some of those phrases, had you said them to me as a kid would be like, whatever, I don't care. But certain of them that when you said them, and I'm sure all of us, as you heard them, you're like, God, I wish someone would say that to me. And in particular, I wish my mom said that about me. I wish my, because there is, uh, the way I've heard it before, it is ordinary people, words, all words matter, right? You know, we know sticks and stones break our bones, but words hurt even worse than that. You know, it's like, we know that's not true. We know that words matter, but like an ordinary person's words weigh like 50 pounds and moms and dad's words weigh a thousand pounds. It, it is something about the way God made us. And I think that movie, this movie really hits on it is that there is something about the words we as parents use that they really matter. And, and, and it's not okay for us to say, well, they said it. So I said it back. Like we both said some things. That's not enough. Parents. We have to do better. Like our words weigh more. I get that the kids' words hurt. They don't weigh as much to you as your words weigh to them. Uh, and we just have to do better. And this isn't to make you feel guilty. I hope it inspires you. I hope you go to kindwordsarecool.com. Uh, but one thing I wanted to piggyback to help kind of get us kind of deeper into this movie is Heidi, how do you mention two things in the, the time she talked? One is talking about this communication thing and the way we mishear each other, but also the fear that the dad has. And I had noticed in the movie, did you guys notice how the motivations of the dad and the motivations of Pal, the evil robot, were the exact same? They both heard something and thought, I'm afraid now I've become obsolete. I've be I'm afraid I'm going to get thrown to the wayside. Dad becomes a villain a little bit. Be the, the robot certainly becomes a villain because of this fear. Um, and I think the daughter's fear is that he will never see me as an adult. Like, he won't let me grow and change. Sawyer, you got something to say about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I guess we're diving right into the very ending the the how the movie the story wraps up i guess but like the the big moment is kind of when the veil gets pulled away from the dad's eyes is the thing and he the the whole time throughout the movie uh katie is either making a movie or trying to get her dad to watch a movie and the veil comes away from his eyes right as he decides i'm just gonna watch this movie that my daughter made and that is when kind of his that's kind of his uh triumphant moment in the movie is he decides okay no she she can do this and he actually now trusts her and uh yeah. I, I just thought that the the way it handled his maturation throughout the course of the, the film was just perfect another thing kind of that leans to that is he says um to put down your camera and take in the world around you. And she said, this is how I do that. And the thing that kind of like that made me think about is 
how willing are we as parents to accept the lens through which our kids are looking at things and then help them to clarify reality against their lens. And I think that's really important. And, and this, you know, he, he was not, he was not open to the lens through which she was looking at all. And then he kind of, you know, turns a corner there at the end. Yeah. And I think that's all just a huge part of this. Donnie, any, anything to add about just this, this concept? No, I think y'all pretty, uh, pretty much wrapped a lot of that uh, really well. I mean, like hitting on the nail like their relationship is his his ability to communicate and how he similar he was to Powell is key to everything that he does in his interactions with with katie like it's always him trying to understand it from his perspective and getting upset because it's like that well you don't get me you don't understand me it's almost kind (laughs) of invertly the whole dynamic you think of with kids and adults it's like the kid understands, but the adults like you don't understand me. You're not listening to me. You don't get where I'm coming from. Kind of thing. Well, and that's the I mean, that's the linchpin, right? I mean, that's the that's the final like climax of the movie is when she finally makes it to college. Um, and she he says, I'm glad you're here with your people, which is like him accepting that she's found her tribe kind of thing. And she looks at him and says, and I'll say this, I was proud of myself. I didn't cry this whole movie. I didn't cry this whole movie. And then she said, dad, you are my people. You guys are my people. And I didn't cry. And then I looked at my daughters and I said, I just want y'all to know you guys are always going to be my people. And I started crying and I could hear them go, okay, thanks dad. Like, (laughs) like, Oh great. Dad's crying again. I'm like, you guys will always be my people. But I think that like that isn't that kind of the tension of the movie is the dad's afraid. He's so afraid that she's going to run off to this new life and abandon her. Yeah. That he won't let her go. And she is so quick to be like, because I want to differentiate and make, I almost want to, she is trying to abandon everything. And what I love is the movie does so well, that little moose figurine, Mm-hmm. Or I guess that's what, is that a moose or a reindeer? Yeah, a, moose. a moose, that's what I thought. Yeah, and at the beginning of the movie, you see that she's put that in the giveaway pile when she's mm-hmm. moving, and the dad is brokenhearted, which all of us is dads. But it's the thing, we had this, um, when when we uh, when we brought our, um, our oldest daughters into our home for the first time, um, they came in with some toys, but they didn't have a lot of toys, so we kind of split up our daughters, uh, our, our biological daughter, Corinne, who was our only daughter at the time, we kind of split up some of her toys, and there was like this one toy that like me and my wife had like this really emotional, you know, like you have this memory, like I just remember as like we were at Five Below one day, and she, it was one of those moments that's never happened before we're getting ready to check out, and we turn around, and she's hugging this little panda unicorn She's like three years old and she's like looking at me. And it was that moment as a dad where normally I'm like, no, put that back, whatever. But I was like, yes, you can have the panda, you know? And then when the, uh, when my other daughters moved in and she's kind of picking, okay, well they can have this toy. She just kind of like mindlessly gave the panda away. And I was like, but don't you remember being in the, in the store? You'll always be my people, you know, uh, just breaking down. I was so upset, but you know, he's got this emotional connection that she doesn't have with it. But then by the end of the movie, and he's afraid that symbolizes everything, right? She's going to leave and never come back and all this stuff. So that causes him to not listen, to overprotect, to over, you know, go in. Then she eventually realizes what 
what that moose really symbolizes is her dad's willingness to sacrifice for her. And she decides, no, I'm going to take this with me. And it becomes, I mean, it's just a brilliant storytelling, but I think it's a part for us to have these conversations. Donnie, what were you going to add? Yeah. Like kind of going off that with the moose thing, I think it's that idea of like the unspoken expectations and also just communicating how something actually means to you. Like, I think so many times it's so easy to go, well, you should know how much this means to me. No, tell me why it means so much to you. Because if you don't tell me, I don't know. Like, there's a good chance if I'm really good at picking up on it, absolutely. We may have that connection. I may know exactly what it is. But if you tell me like, hey, the reason why I think this is a big deal is because I sacrificed something, which, and this was just a reminder to me of that it still was worth everything I sacrificed. Whereas for her, she only sees this is a piece of the puzzle. Yeah. And it's that it's almost that idea of like looking at a puzzle piece and not actually seeing the rest of the pieces and going, eh, I don't need this. I don't even have the rest of the puzzle. Like, eh, the reason yeah. why is because I didn't tell you. Well, I think that part right there, Donnie, is huge. That also comes from a book, uh, a very fundamental in my uh, growth as an adult called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. We did a teaching series on it about four or five years ago. And uh, that's in there's a whole thing about expectations and families that there are things that have to be if you're going to hold an expectation and be upset that someone didn't meet it, it has to be like clear, um, you know, it, uh, achievable. There's a bunch of them, but some of them are it has to be clearly stated and they have to agree to it. If your expectation is going to be, um, you know, your your if it's going to be you're going to come see me at at this place and at this time and do this. But I just had an expectation that I never communicated to you. That's not fair to you. And it's not fair. It's, it's not fair for me to hold that over your head. And so I think that's huge, Donnie. Um, Anyone got anything else they want to kind of throw in as we're kind of wrapping up this discussion on, on all of this. I want to throw in one last thought here that I think is really huge in the theme um, because this is really great. Once again, I hope you hear in this conversation, the kind of, ways that you can have conversation with your kids. I think the big ones to have about communication are just one, you need to educate yourself a little on how your kids hear things, like be a student of them, pay attention. But a good conversation to have would just be, hey, I want us to be open and to talk. And if I say things that hurt you, I think as parents, to open the door, to say I'm sorry when I mess up, to tell them I want you to tell me when I mess up, um, that's huge. Sawyer, were you going to add something to that? Yeah, and this is... I don't want to shift the conversation, but just keeping with keeping open communication with your kids, this movie talks heavily about technology. You know, it's a very solid meta commentary on social media in particular. And this movie, I think, can open the door for you to have some really fruitful conversations with your kid about that as well. Um, That I I think this movie actually kind of nails it on the head where social media is not inherently good or bad. It's how you use it and stuff like that. Um, And making sure that it doesn't rule your kid's life is the thing is something that I think you can at least have some conversations about with this movie. Well, and I think it also gives you an opportunity in this to practice that with your kids. I don't know that we've said this a lot outside the first episode, but, um, and my kids are now at the point, man, I have one daughter. She's my yellow. 
who likes to get on me if daddy will you put your phone down so we can watch the movie and like she asked me a question that i was looking up like when i bet she's like daddy are you gonna watch this with us or are you gonna look at your phone like we've got to i'm not saying at all times we have to have our phones away but especially if we're gonna do a family game night if we're gonna do a family movie night if the point of us being together is that we're going to be together um we have to establish that for our kids and not have 10 seconds of uninterrupted eye contact. That was bizarre. But the idea behind that uh, certainly being this gives us a chance to practice that. He, uh, here's the final thing I want to kind of hit on that this movie hits on, which I think just helps us to teach our kids to love Jesus and his way of life, which is uh, really the kind of theme at the beginning of this movie is that we are the least likely people to save the world. This family is the least likely people to save the world because they all have their weaknesses, right? The dad doesn't even understand technology, right? The mom is a very timid kind of person who doesn't ever want to speak her mind. By the end of the movie, she's slicing robots in half, right? You have this 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 uh, brother who can't even relate to anyone outside of dinosaurs, but finds a way to really bring that into his saving the world. And then you got this daughter who wants nothing to do with the family who has to learn how to sacrifice. And it really reminded me of this. Um, there's a line in the movie where we didn't even talk about these two robots who become part of the family uh, who are just, I mean, come on. The I mean, is anyone here? They're my favorite part. Yeah, they're, they're the best part of the movie. Best yeah. part of the movie. Uh, but they, at one point, they get they get basically what's effectively uh, CTE, I guess. They get a concussion at one point and uh, they're wiring. They are no longer able to be controlled by the other robots. And at one point, um, they become very critical in saving the mission. And he says, our malfunction is what saved us. And it really becomes this metaphor for the movie of like the thing that you're you're so sure because this happened to me or because I'm wired this way or because I'm so different than everyone else, God could never use me. That what, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians is so choose that God, God intentionally chooses the foolish things of this world so that those who are wise are shamed. That the things that we look at and go, well, that person's the most intelligent or they have the best ideas or they're the most talented. Of course, they're the ones running the company. Of course, they're the ones running the world. That God, when he chooses to, to, to run the world through the kingdom of God, he chooses the poor and the meek and the humble and the people who have flaws and trauma and all different kinds of stuff. And he says, if you will give me your weakness, I will show up as strong. That God isn't going to make you strong. That's the point. God's going to be strong in your weakness. The goal is that we stay weak and humble on God. Now, that's a pretty heady thing to get into with our kids, but this movie gives us the opportunity just to say that in small ways of, hey, you're, you know, that thing about you that you think is too weird or too ugly or too whatever, God wants to use that. Uh, and so that was a good thing. Heidi, were you going to say something? I think, yeah, I think to connect the dots for parents that, you know, we were talking earlier about like, you know, how we um, use fear to kind of, uh, you know, train them and we try to get them to be what they're, what we don't want, you know, get, get them away from what we don't want them to be. And, uh, you know, that, the verse in the Bible that so many people quote, but, you know, misunderstand is train up a child in the way they should, that they should go. And when they're grown, they won't depart from it. But what it actually translates to is train up a child in the way that they're bent. And so like you were talking about, if we are a student, then we will help them see their strengths and their weaknesses. And we'll help them learn how to turn their weaknesses over to God. And as we're, as we're learning that we have to be modeling that in ourselves, you know, that's the best way to teach them is to do it within ourselves and live it for them. And so I think that that kind of like 
to connect those two dots for parents, it, it makes it, um, you know, even more impactful to look at it from that lens that, you know, if I, if I can help them see that in their weaknesses, God is made strong, like you were talking about Paul saying, that's huge as yeah. we're parenting them. I think that's great. And that's a great place for us to kind of wrap this up, uh, especially because I think we're going to have a very similar conversation about this strengths and weaknesses. Uh, eventually, we're going to talk about the movie Encanto, and that is fully what that movie is about. It's on the opposite side, which is the thing that you're best at actually becomes a problem for you. Uh, the thing that that you are best wired to do, your strengths can actually be the thing that sabotage your life. You overly rely on your strength. Uh, and that God's really, as you said, know my strength so I don't overly rely on it. Mm -hmm. Know my weakness so I can overly rely on God in that. I think that's huge. Uh, two other thoughts just about the movie that have nothing to do with it. One, Furbies are terrifying, and they have always been terrifying. Uh, yeah, That scene was awesome. I yes. That was like maybe my favorite like action sequence in the entire movie. Yes, like the dark harvest has begun. Best line of dialogue. I mean, it's just absolutely wonderful. Second thing uh, is, is this the same plot as Avengers Age of Ultron? It's not just like a robot apocalypse, but it's a robot apocalypse. It's like humanity needs to evolve by dying. And you're weak. <laughs> and it's like the weaknesses tearing each other apart. And we're going to use that against each other. It's the same plot of Avengers Age Ultron. Uh, and I know some of you think this did it better. You are incorrect. But we will talk about that on a future episode of the Family Movie Night Podcast. Uh, we are glad to have you guys here. As always, we hope this helps you not only build memories, but start conversations that matter so you can help your children love Jesus and his way of life even more.